Welcome to Gracefield Grit. I'm your host, Lana Stinner, and we are chatting all about growing your faith, family, and the backyard farm. Here at the Gracefield Homestead, we are having honest, hard, and authentic conversations with some amazing guests about getting back to the basics and what's important in life. We are not for everyone, and we don't clean up our conversations, so you will get the unedited chat. Each episode, you can expect practical tips and encouragement. I am so honored to have you join us today, so grab a cup of coffee and let's do this thing. Hey friends, welcome back to the Graceville Grip Podcast. As of this recording, we are entering the holiday season. The holiday decor is up and we are in full baking mode over here. Many of you have reached out and asked for an update after my brain tumor journey. It's been three years now, and although I don't share much about it, I thought I'd give a glimpse of where we are today. And for those of you that were not aware of my journey, I'll give you a brief background, and you can also find it in chapter four of my book, The Gracefield Homestead, which, by the way, has been out for over a year now and is still doing really well. This past week, a friend found it in the home goods store, so it's there and in many other retailers and small boutiques, and it is still selling good on Amazon even a year later. People are knocking out their Christmas lists with that home studying book that has the cute baby goats on the cover. This beautiful coffee table book makes a fabulous gift for others. So sorry for the shameless plug. Let's dive in. A bit of the background first. It was 2020, the world was in a pandemic chaos, and my favorite seasons of spring and summer were filled with debilitating headaches that pierced my head like a dagger whenever I leaned over to pluck a strawberry or cucumber. As the pain worsened, I finally made my way into the doctor's office in late fall. My to-do list was a mile long and packed with grading exams for the university, farm chores, and holiday preparations. It was crunch time, and I didn't feel like I could take an Excedrin and go lay in a dark room again. During the office visit, my doctor suggested a brain scan because of the pain I described. It wasn't the standard allergy, migraine, hormonal, or even the virus headache. Two days before Thanksgiving, I had a CT scan, was immediately sent for an MRI, and then was told I had a large brain tumor. It was the size of a large peach. The neurosurgeon pointed out a section of the tumor he felt was too risky to remove, but he was hopeful the growth was benign. Because this is such a slow-growing tumor, he thought it had been there for 10 to 15 years or even longer. He prepared to schedule surgery that week. We did go ahead and ask for a second opinion referral and was sent to one of the top neurosurgeons in the region. The diagnosis was the same, though for good measure, he added that the tumor was gigantic. Great. Now that word is in my head. When I got home, I sat down at the desk where I had been writing on pruning fruit trees. Dozens of photos of beautiful peaches were in front of me. And I kept looking at them, trying to picture one inside my brain. The surgery to prune away this unwanted tumor was scheduled for the week of Christmas. As we prepared for this adventure, God's peace fell hard. I have never felt his presence like I did the weeks before surgery. 
It was as if the air around my family was spiritually charged. All the unimportant tasks and concerns were pruned away. I wrapped up Christmas shopping, my final two lessons at the university, and spent as much time as possible in prayer with my family. After I removed daily tasks that no longer mattered, I began spending more time out in the barn with the goats. One afternoon, I decided to drag out our large plastic nativity scene that had been in storage for years. It was filthy, janky, and over 20 years old, but I wanted to hang out with my goats and plastic baby Jesus in the barn. The chilly and stinky stall was my happy place where I could meet with God. The goats were snuggly and so silly, always knocking over poor plastic Joseph. They were quick to headbutt anything that came between them and baby Jesus, a lesson for all of us. While hanging out with the goats and plastic Jesus, I had the urge to tell the neurosurgeon to get the entire tumor out for the love, just get it all. I wanted to explain that our family members are risk takers. I'm tight with Jesus. And if everything goes south, it's all good. I'm ready to go to heaven. In all honesty, the diagnosis couldn't have been given at a better time. I had raised my four kiddos and my last baby girl just graduated from high school. I had given them everything I had, and now they were becoming amazing young adults. Can you imagine going through something like this when you have toddlers and a lifetime of lessons left that you want to pour into your children? I, however, was at peace. I did feel strongly that I didn't want a portion of that tumor to be left in my head, needing another surgery to remove part of it down the road. At my last pre-op visit, the neurosurgeon told me he would come and say good morning before they rolled me into the operating room on surgery day. Maybe then is when I could plead my case to get it all out regardless of the risk. Yes, I would ask him to take the risk when he came in on surgery morning. Go big or go home, right? A few days prior to surgery, my bestie sent me a link to an article about the Christmas star created by Jupiter and Saturn aligning and appearing as one bright star. It's a rare occurrence, and the next one was to happen on December 21st of 2020, my surgery day. I read the article that speculated it may have also occurred just as Christ was born and similar alignment formed the star that led the wise men to baby Jesus. This is why the Jupiter and Saturn alignment has been called the Christmas star in the astronomy world. I was not in the mood to go down the rabbit hole of researching dates. I am always a skeptic, so I deleted the article and didn't give it any more thought. On surgery day, I arrived at the hospital in the early morning wearing my favorite t-shirt, which reads, Not Today, Satan. As soon as I signed in, they whisked me to the pre-op area, and I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye to CJ. Pandemic protocols changed overnight, and it meant that he could not be with me, even in the waiting room. Once the IVs were in, I was stripped of my wedding ring and phone that had my happy worship playlist in my Bible reading app. It was just me, raw and alone with God, in a chilly, sterile room for the next hour. However, I couldn't feel his presence. The peace I had the past month was gone. For some reason, fear had taken over and I was in full despair. I cut my baby teeth on the church pew. 
So there are hundreds of scriptures I had memorized over the years, and yet I couldn't recall one to calm my spirit. I prayed for God to help me get it together. All of a sudden, a 20-year-old third day song came to mind. Three sentences of the chorus played in my head over and over. Soon I was humming them and singing them to myself and asking God, begging God to show me your glory, send down your presence, I want to see your face. I felt the calm permeate my soul as I sang these three phrases from the song. I still marvel that all the memorized scriptures and positive phrases eluded me, but an old third day song emerged with crystal clarity and soothed my anxious soul. The clock on the wall read 7.55 when the nurse popped in one more time to ask if my neurosurgeon had stopped by. Once he did that, I would be rolled to the operating room. It was clear she thought he would have been by for my 8 a.m. surgery. Where the heck was he? This was not something you want to turn over to the on-duty intern. Did my surgeon get COVID, have a car wreck, decide to retire? I started to spiral again. The song lyrics came back to me, and so did the calm. Once again, I was begging God to show me your glory, send down your presence, I want to see your face. Just then, my neurosurgeon pulled back the curtain to my cubicle. He had a clipboard in his hand and was dressed in a suit and tie. Really? Where in the heck are your scrubs? I thought to myself. Let's get this thing rolling. That's when I noticed it a star on the top of his tie. I remembered the article from my friend and thought, good grief, my neurosurgeon is an astronomy nerd. As he handed the clipboard to his nurse, I got a glimpse of his full tie. He was wearing a nativity tie in a secular hospital, politically correct or not. It was complete with the shining bright star, Virgin Mary, Joseph, barnyard animals, and sweet baby Jesus. This was my barn scene at home where I had spent days in prayer, and there was the glorious face of baby Jesus, just what I had asked for in song during the last hour. Instantly, I was covered in goosebumps and in awe of the sign that God gave me that he was with me. Such a small, tiny detail that meant the world to me in that moment. I was speechless for once in my life and couldn't form my plea to the neurosurgeon to remove the risky part of the tumor. God was in control and would take care of it all. I was clearly in his hands now. Four and a half hours later, I woke up. I was still alive, so there's that. Slowly, I moved my arms, fingers, legs, and toes. All were working. Thank you, Jesus. I had asked for my husband, and they said he couldn't wait to see me. Wait, I thought I'm talking. What a relief to form a sentence. CJ came in with his eyes shimmering, but of course, tough fire chief wasn't tearing up. And he told me that they had removed the entire tumor, even though I never formed the words to express my request to take the risk. My heart's desire and prayer had happened. Later, I learned that there had been serious complications removing that risky part, and they came out during surgery to tell CJ that I was bleeding profusely and would need a transfusion. They also told him to expect paralysis. Neither happened. Within hours, I was up walking around and asking about the kids. I felt no pain, even with the 40 staples in my head. I didn't even need Tylenol. 
They confirmed there was no cancer, no deficits, and I was able to go home right away. The bonus, they didn't even shave my head like they told me they were. I was home on December 23rd, just in time for the holiday joy. The family arrived for a brunch feast on Christmas morning and then again on New Year's Eve. What a miracle to be able to cook, function, and enjoy my family. Of course, we took down the old plastic nativity in the barn, but for some reason I had to keep up my indoor nativity all year long. It has too much meaning to be stored away in a basement tote all year. It's been two years now. No cancer, no deficits, no treatments, no pain, not even physical therapy. I've been going for a scan every six months to ensure there's nothing else going on in there, and there isn't. Now we are scheduling a scan only once a year, and then they will stop altogether. I've beaten it, and it's over. Well, God has beaten it. He is still in the miracle business, so be encouraged with that. I'm still questioning why I have the happy ending when others do not. And that will most definitely be my first question to God when I cross that pearly gate finish line in heaven. I am continuing to count my blessings, and this experience has been a gift. I'm grateful for God's miracles and His presence every step of the way. So what's the new struggle, you may be wondering, if I'm 100% healthy? In all honesty, it's slipping back into normal life and pursuing ordinary things. Why I feel so blessed and fortunate to have had this situation is that I had a very short one-month season of God's pure peace. I was walking with Him every minute of every hour in complete trust. As I mentioned, I had the peace of God on me that I can't explain. It had to be supernatural. I was at the end of all of my striving to fix things with 100% reliance on Him. My priorities were straight, and I had unconditional joy. I will never be the same again, and yet, every single month, I feel a little further from that reliance on Him and complete peace and presence. I don't want to go back to my self-reliance, the push-through-and-get-it-done mentality that is so much striving. We are so self-reliant and can make things happen that sometimes it's a gift from God for Him to allow us to get knocked off our feet and rely on Him. My prayer every dang day is to be 100% with God and in step with Him, whatever that may be. My question is, or maybe it's my new striving or my new goal, it's how to get back to that place of pure peace and reliance on God without some drama or health scare. It's so easy for us Christians to run straight to God when our life is a mess and we need help with something, whether that's a relationship or a kid going astray or finances or like mine, a health diagnosis. But the real struggle and pursuit is staying in that beautiful place connected to God. That's where we need to be regardless if things are going good or bad. In Exodus 33, where I believe that powerful song I was singing in the hospital bed was taken from, Moses is struggling. They had just witnessed this beautiful, huge miracle, an act of God parting the sea. And here all his people are now going back to normal everyday life and complaining. In verse 18, it states, Then Moses said, 
to God, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. So daily, I will pray, God, show me your glory and keep me in your presence. I used to throw around that phrase, more of him, less of me. And no, I've learned it's all of you, Lord, and none of me. Any little snarky and selfish piece of me left is striving for dumb earthly things. So that's the struggle, the desire in my prayer. I won't settle for ordinary earthly things anymore. His presence is everything. In that very same third day song that I was humming to myself in the hospital bed, it so clearly states my struggle and my heart. The lyrics go, when I climb down from the mountain and I get back to my life, I won't settle for ordinary things. That closeness to God is my number one pursuit, and I have to check my selfish desires at the door multiple times a day. It's shocking how many times a day I get into that. So there it is, an update on my health and my pursuits. I want to share God's goodness and give you some hope in the midst of your struggles. Whatever you're dealing with, big or small, God is working things out for your good. Trusting Him and building that relationship is the gift that we can give back to Him this holiday season. Blessings to you, friend, as we celebrate Advent, which by definition means the arrival of a notable person. Even if you're listening to this episode down the road in the middle of a hot summer, may you feel the peace and joy that only sweet baby Jesus can give. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of Grace-Filled Grit. I know that your time is valuable and I truly appreciate you being here. I hope it was helpful and that you'll share it with a friend. In order to schedule amazing guests on our show, we could use some good reviews. So if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be honored if you could head over to the podcast app on your phone, tap the album art for the Gracefield Grit podcast, scroll down to the bottom of the page and write a review. I'm looking forward to our next episode and I hope you'll join us again. Blessings to you today, friend, as you live out your own Gracefield Grit.